Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and joining us for this episode on Psalm 10, we have returning guest, Reverend Q Hahn, our Associate Pastor of Pastoral Care and Community Engagement here at Granite Springs. One of the delights of a conversation with Q is that he's always curious and always seeking to learn. He models this for me, and I think for all of us, as he shows us what it looks like to approach scripture with this kind of eager curiosity. So I invite you to join me in getting swept up as we explore this psalm together. To get us started, here's Q reading Psalm 10. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak, who are caught in the schemes he devises. He boasts about the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. His ways are always prosperous. Your laws are rejected by him. He sneers at all his enemies. He says to himself, nothing will ever shake me. He swears, no one will ever do me harm. His mouth is full of lies and threats. Trouble and evil are under his tongue. He lies in wait near the villages. From ambush, he murders the innocent. His eyes watch in secret for his victims. Like a lion in cover, he lies in wait. He lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. His victims are crushed. They collapse. They fall under his strength. He says to himself, God will never notice. He covers his face and never sees. Arise, Lord. Lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account? But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked man. Call the evildoer to account for his wickedness. That would not otherwise be found out. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his hand. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed, so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. Q, welcome back to Curious Songs. Good to be back. And whoever is listening, I am grateful to be back with you all. Well done on one of the longer psalms we've had so far. Yep. And I tried to really channel my inner anger. I don't know if it showed or not. Maybe I could have (laughs) gone a little bit more emotional with this psalm, but we definitely hear some anger in there. So yeah, looking forward to talking about it. That launches us perfectly maybe into our questions, Q. You know, and the listeners might know, but we asked the same three questions for each psalm. What stood out to you in reading this psalm? What do we learn from God, learn about God from this psalm? Mm-hmm. And how does this psalm help us to pray? So let's let's dive in. You've already maybe mentioned a little bit of the tone of the psalm, sure. but what stood out to you in reading this psalm, Q? Ooh, there are many things that stood out to me, but I will uh, narrow it down to two things. The first is, I mean, the whole book of the Psalms we know is a really honest book. 
it helps us to be honest with God and with others. Mm. But I think especially in this psalm, I was really struck by how the psalmist expresses his anger, this anger for justice, you know, this righteous anger, so to speak, longing for mm. a desire for justice to come. And as someone personally who grew up not quite knowing how to handle anger or what to do with anger, <laughs> this is refreshing. It's uh, heartening and encouraging mm. even and freeing, I would say freeing, to hear the psalmist really being honest with his anger for justice, this righteous anger, so to speak. But what strikes me even more, Matt, is the fact that he then brings his anger into his conversation with God, that he makes it a prayer is what is, I think, struck me the most, because I think there are, and I'll speak for myself, you know, common sort of reactions to our experiences of injustice. And I think one of them could be, you know, maybe over time one becomes jaded and maybe he or she yeah. chooses to completely shut themselves, you know, off from the media or the news or whatever the case may be. Or on the other side, you know, the reaction also could be taking the matters into our own hands and, you know, trying to repay or punish the wicked or the perpetrators, as, as we'd say. But instead, the psalmist here, you know, makes this a prayer and brings his anger and his longing for justice to God is again, I think, really a freeing thing to hear. So that's what stood out to me. Yeah, I'm curious. I, I'd love to hear you unpack this a little bit more Yeah, about what to you tonally feels like is expressing anger mm. in this psalm. Oh, yeah. Uh, my favorite line, let's start with that one, <laughs> yeah. is verse 15. Break the arm of the wicked man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I I just get the sense. And then, you know, there are different kind of places in the psalm, right? I think the first part of the psalm, he talks about this wicked man. And then, you know, halfway through, mm -hmm. he talks about particularly about the violence that this wicked man is bringing yeah. upon other people. And especially some of the more marginalized or vulnerable friends at the time. And so I, I kind of mm -hmm. hear it as, you know, not necessarily an anger toward God, but an anger toward injustice mm -hmm. that he is seeing and experiencing and maybe more of a lament when it comes to his conversation with God. So I think that's good to clarify on my end as well. So grateful for that question. But does that make sense? No, totally. I mean, I think, yeah, the, the complex of emotions that are in these psalms i think what what you and i are both processing here is that there are layers of emotion that are swirling together right earlier you used the word jaded there's a way to read verses one through about 11 as a lament of a jaded person mm. right you know here i am where are you god why are you yeah. far off look at this this wicked guy, <laughs> in all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Yeah. He swears no one will ever do me harm. Th this verse 11 stands out. He <laughs> says to himself, God will never notice. Right. He covers his face and never sees. And the psalmist spends 11 verses not really expressing what they're feeling in relationship to this. Is it? Mm. I think you can read it as they're angry. 
I think that's a really mm-hmm. legitimate reading, especially yeah, yeah, yeah. what's about to happen in the rest of the psalm. I think you could also read it as someone who is jaded mm. and ready to give up, you know? There's a sense in which, you know, I think about someone who's been involved in justice work all their life and feels like the needle has almost has not moved, you know, mm. in their area. And verses 1 through 11 feels like their their lament, their cry. Yeah. Maybe there's a pivot here in verse 12. But so I, I think you're perfectly right. Mm. Not that I'm the arbiter of the emotions of the psalmist, <laughs> but I think you're perfectly right to point us to anger here. Mm. But I was I was curious about what resonated and what pulled that out for you. Yeah, and I think that's helpful um, not only for us here as we're talking, but for the listeners as well, right? I mean, that, I think that's the wonder of the Psalms that when we're reading this particular psalm that, as you said, a certain sort of emotional experience, we might have different and unique sort of emotional experiences as we engage a particular psalm. So I think that's wonder of the psalm. One thing just to, I think, that builds on and adds to the conversation as I reflected on this psalm, I mentioned this to you ahead of time, but Psalm 10 and Psalm 9 in certain Uh, translations of the Bible were rolled together into one psalm. But one of the fascinating things is the contrast of Psalm 9 and Psalm 10. So in my Mm. conversation with Bethany, we talked about Psalm 9 has a real confidence, a real kind of almost almost triumphalism that Mm. God is going to bring justice, that there's a verse in there that says, the nations have fallen into the pit they have dug, their feet are caught in the net they have hidden. In other words, justice is coming. You, the nations aren't going to escape, hmm. aren't escaping it even now. Whereas here in Psalm 10, we hear for the wicked man, his ways are always prosperous. And I was struck, I think, in reading them, and the privilege that I have is of getting to read these back to back and having conversations with them. It's just the fascinating contrast hmm. between these two Psalms. Right. And one temptation we might have is to say, well, Psalm 9 is sort of a final picture for us. It's sort of an apocalyptic and eschatological, so which just means what's going to happen at the end when God makes all things right, you know. <laughs> and then Psalm 10 is our current reality, the broken reality, the mess. But as I think about that distinction, there's something tidy about it, but life is so much messier, yeah, right, than that. Even now in our world, there are places where real justice is being done and where there is real redemption. Right. And there are places where that's nowhere near being accomplished. So there are yep. places where it feels very obvious that God is redeeming and restoring and working. And there are places where it's very obvious that there is much redemption yep. needed. And our mm. world has both simultaneously. And so yeah. for me, I think read, reading the two Psalms together kind of helps ground me in a more complex reality than just sort of saying, oh, yeah, one day it'll all be fixed. It's like, well, no, God is active now. And then what does that mean for me? Right. And I think Psalm 9 and 10 together yeah. kind of walk us into the, the complexity of that, which I think to tying back to what you're talking about uh, and what we've been talking about, these emotional layers brings up all kinds of emotions for us right and maybe all kinds of questions too Hmm. why isn't this all fixed already lord like how long how long do we have to wait but that was just one the contrast for me really kind of stood out in a big way what i really appreciate about what you shared was that the complexity of life that we see in yeah psalm 10 and especially like think about our relationships right like relationships in life are oftentimes so messy and hard and complicated but especially as we think about relationships with maybe people as the psalmist expresses the wicked 
how messy mm-hmm. would that be? And just the fact yeah. that we're kind of invited to, you know, be in that story is really mind blowing to me. I love how yeah, yeah those two two uh, chapters are back to back. I'm really intrigued to see what you're going to respond to our second question. Key, yeah. What do we learn about God from this psalm? Yeah. Well, man, I was one of the other things that struck me really was verse one, how the psalmist begins with a question to God. And the psalmist is really mm-hmm. feeling like God is absent. God is far away. And maybe even, you know, God is just letting the wicked get away um, with what they've done. And what does that say about yeah. God? Right. It's just complexity of questions that he is raising. But at the same time, I think there's a reason why this particular psalm made it to the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, I talked about anger that I kind of sense from this particular psalm. And, you know, whether it's jadedness or whether it's sort of this lament over the injustice that we experience. And, you know, as we see people who seem to be doing wrong, getting away and even flourishing like before our eyes. Yeah. And I just wonder or come to believe that the psalmist is expressing here maybe how God feels about injustice, you know. And, mm-hmm. and yes, these are the words coming from the psalmist, but I think God laments deeply over the injustice of our world. And so that's, that's one thing, that he deeply laments of our injustice. And another thing was psalmist's question, like, where are you, God? So mm-hmm. God still waits god doesn't act Uh, out of his anger god doesn't immediately act out of his lament am i making sense here like yes he seems to wait and there seems to be a certain kind of timing to -hmm. his plans so i think that's what really tells a lot about who god is because when i'm jaded matt i can react (laughs) out of my jadedness when i'm angry i act out of my anger you know, whether there are people around me or not, but just to be reminded of the fact that our God doesn't react out of his, hmm. you know, emotions, so to speak. So that's, I think, another thing that stands out to me and what, what tells me about who God is. Listeners of the podcast will know this theme of God's anger, I think, has been coming up recurringly, which is not shocking that there are recurring themes in the Psalms. We'd expect to see that. And I think what we said echoes a lot of what you've expressed, Q, that yeah, God does have anger. I think you've added a rich dynamic of uh, God's patience mm. in the midst of anger Yeah, is a fascinating thing that there's timing. And then obviously kind of the correlating question is what does that ask of us in terms of our faith, in terms mm. of our trust, right? Speaking to that, maybe one thing, as I was just observing in this Psalm, there's this interesting thing Verse 12, arise, Lord, lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Mm. Two verses later, verse 14, but you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. Hmm. In other words, in verse 12, the psalmist is telling God, don't forget them. In verse 14, he's kind of saying, you already see them. (laughs) And to me, that was just such a reminder that sometimes our experience of God and the reality of God are not one and the same. And... Our culture is very experience-driven, right? And experience is a good thing. We shouldn't denigrate experience. And we should all long, I think, to experience God in a personal, intimate way. That's all very positive. But sometimes we think that an experience of God is the fullness of God. 
And this psalm to me, the psalmist is almost processing, I think, some of this, that, okay, my experience of God is that you are far off, and yet I know that you hear this, you hear the desire of the afflicted, you encourage them, and you listen to their cry, that there are these truths that yeah. are even beyond my current experience. And I think that is something that sometimes can feel frustrating hmm. to us, and justifiably so. But there's also something, I think, that, invite, that really is inviting us into a deeper trust. It's inviting us into a kind of faith that isn't predicated on believing X, Y, or Z about God. It's not predicated on experiencing, mm. you know, A, B, and C from God, but it's predicated on trusting that God is active and God is doing, even when we might say, God, do this thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I was going to uh, say, and, and, you know, how wonderful it is that the Psalm 10 includes those inner dialogues. Yeah. here you know what i'm saying like we want you to act now that conversation that dialogue that it's in that's it that it's in here um yeah that's that's so great so true to our experience well speaking more about our experience our third question is really about how how we experience this psalm so q how does this psalm help us to pray yes i think it'll help me to pray this psalm in the sense that it taught me that I can call God to his own character. You mentioned hmm. that there is this profound level of trust and confidence in God, especially in Psalm 9. But towards the end of Psalm 10, I think I hear the same confidence and this yes. really deep sense of trust and this really close relationship, you know, like yeah, the psalmist begins by almost ranting and questioning God <laughs> and towards the end reaches this point where he, you know, expresses his trust for him and calling him most importantly for me, calling him to his own character, you know, God of justice, God who is faithful, God who defends the fatherless and, you know, protects the oppressed. So mm -hmm. I think it'll help me to pray in that sense that I can call knowing who God is, both from my experience and the reality of who God is, right, that we all have gained from the wisdom of the church, that I can call God to his own character uh, in different situations of my life. So, yeah, that's how I think it'll help me to pray. But what about you, Matt? Yeah, that's beautifully said. I, I actually was looking at the same section, Q. There's Were something you? about those final verses, right? Yeah. It just kind of, the psalm just soars in a way. You know, it kind of takes off. <laughs> but verse 17, especially, I kind of honed in on, you, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You know, I was just thinking about the way that sometimes we're taught to pray or that we instinctively think about praying. And I think we sometimes are told that we can bring our wants to God, but not necessarily that we can bring our desires to God. Mm, tell I don't know me if more that really that. makes sense. Yeah, let me try to unpack that a little bit. Like, it is okay to name and bring sort of the obvious good things around us that we should want. For example, oh, I want this person to feel better, or... I want to do well on a test or I want to have a good relationship with my spouse, right? Mm. These kinds of things. But behind each of those, I think are deeper longings. Mm. And I think sometimes we come to God with our perfunctory wants. Like these are the things I know I should want. <laughs> yeah, so let yeah. me pray for these things. And we don't necessarily bring our deepest selves to mm. prayer. 
So we don't necessarily bring that the reason, you know, this is just an example. So maybe we know we should want a good relationship with our spouse, but the desire behind that is because we're terrified of loneliness and we're mm. feeling lonely and our deepest desire is for meaningful relationship. And so we kind of say on the surface, you know, Lord, like help me have a good relationship with my wife or my husband. And then we just move on. Mm. And this line for me just re reminded me that we can bring our desires, that we can bring our deepest selves. And I even, yep. I mean, Romans 8, right? Paul talks about the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit mm. himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Yeah. I just hear that in, in this verse in the Psalms, that we That's can bring really our beautiful. deepest selves. Even right. without words is okay, right? Yeah. That's really beautiful image. A God who wants to engage us more deeply. And, and you know, yeah. God who, who knows what we desire and what we truly want more than we know ourselves. That's really right. beautifully said. I was thinking, you know, it's not an easy thing to bring our full selves. But mm. I think, you know, if you want a simple prayer life, you don't come to the Psalms. <laughs> that's one. That's one of my reflections, 10 Psalms in. If you, if you want just a, a formulaic A, B, and C prayer life, uh, you know, stop listening to the podcast. You're not going to get there. Yep. Listeners. Right, we even talked about that today. Yeah. That's funny. Well, Q, thanks for joining me for this conversation. It was great to get to do this with you. Thank you. Yo, Matt, I just want to congratulate um, you and all of the listeners who are listening to Curious Psalms podcast. I know there are 150 of them. It's a marathon, but we've completed <laughs> the 10th, the 10th Psalm. <laughs> yes, so, we are I mean, 15th I, of the way to go. Yep, 15th I don't know of how, the way there. Right. I don't know how you feel about that, but I, it just kind of seemed like a milestone to me. So I just wanted to congratulate you. And all, all the <laughs> listeners and all of the, the both experts and non-experts of Psalms who, who came in as guests, just something to celebrate. Because, I mean, you know, really, Psalm, the book of Psalms is truly a gift. And, you know, I hope that whoever's listening to these episodes will, will come to see that and yeah. be able to enter into deeper relationship with God. Well, thanks, Q. I think it's been a great first 10. And I alone know who is potentially lined up for the second 10. But I think it's going to be a good group. <laughs> So like let's, let's end on this note. Let, let's go to the psalm again from Psalm 10. The Lord is king forever and ever. And then verse 17, you, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. Mm. Friends, on that note, go out and pray the psalms. Amen. Amen.